your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Topple Empire. Once again, with Steve Run, aka Thumbsaurus, and Andrew Kaszewski, we are here to discuss Big Ten football to death and then discuss it some more because we are getting down to crunch time. And at the end of this, we're going to go through some scenarios of varying dankness as to what can happen in the Big Ten title game. But for now, I'm going to sip on another nut beers as we go through week 11. Yes. 11. Farewell to the Sun Week here in the land that pleasant times have forgotten. The wonder of daylight savings time has descended upon us. And so as we sit here at not quite nine o'clock, it's been dark for about five hours. And the benefit of that, of course, is we got one hour of extra sleep Sunday morning. I don't feel it's it's Tuesday and the facts have already dissipated into nothingness. On Sunday, I woke up in Central Time and had to come to uh, Eastern Time, so I basically just got nothing out of it. <laughs> don't travel west during daylight savings time weekends. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> the good news is the conference schedulers are cognizant of this fact, and so in our five-game slate this week, Three nooners, a 3.30, and a 4 o'clock. They want to get everybody home safely before dark. So, we can get, I mean, we can get right into it. Buys, four teams taking the week off. Michigan, Rutgers, Indiana, Nebraska. Not a whole lot else to say there. We've got one very interesting game in the conference and a number of other games. Well, Iowa-Wisconsin should be interesting, too, just not in the same way as Penn State-Minnesota. But that is the headliner for the conference this week. Well, it's not, however, Big Nude Kickoff, because that's on ABC. Instead, Big Nude Kickoff, the Fox Nude game, is Ohio State versus Maryland. But let's talk about Penn State, Minnesota. So, we come to it at last. A game where Penn State has the less insufferable fan base. How did it come to this? Well, they've been flying under the radar as... The, they've just met expectations, and James Franklin has just kind of not introduced any new elements to the uh, you know to the little caricature that he is. He's not really introduced any new elements to his routine. No, that's right. And there's been very little news, and what news there's been has been generally positive. Yeah, which is probably I mean that's probably kind of a welcome. I mean, not that they've had a whole lot of big negative news, but. You know, he's so far checked off wins against Michigan and Michigan State this year, which... Big news Saturday! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sooner or later, he's going to get tired of that, I think. I mean, it, you know. Um, both teams are coming off of bye weeks. Both teams obviously undefeated. Of course, this was never going to be the choice for game day when you can fap over LSU and Alabama for a full week. But this game is, is is probably more of a playoff elimination game than LSU Bama. The loser Whoever loses this has no yeah, shot. Yeah, the loser of LSU Bama has a very real chance to still sneak into the playoff. The loser of Penn State Minnesota is not going, especially if it's Penn State. Uh, well, I mean, if it's Minnesota, obviously they'll fall back to like twentieth in the country. So they were never going in the first place unless they go undefeated. But for Penn State, this is a playoff elimination game, and. You know, 
add into the fact that somehow game day has never been to Minnesota with all that program's history. I mean, granted, most of it was before television existed, but it's still kind of a not a surprising choice, but a disappointing one. Yeah, I mean, basically game day just missed that one season in 2003 where they were like kind of good, and then there's not really been anything, any other occasions since then. True. It's sort of been like Illinois where like even when they were good, it's not like anybody saw it coming, and then they disappeared so quickly that game day couldn't get on campus fair enough so looking at the matchup here on paper i think the fact that fleck is a demonstrably better game day coach is advantageous here especially with a week off to prepare but man there is still a big talent disparity if we're being completely honest especially when you look at the penn state front seven (sighs) against the gophers offensive line which has consistently struggled to keep uh guys out of the backfield Right. It, it hasn't necessarily mattered so far because Minnesota just hasn't faced that many talented defensive fronts. But think back to that first month of the season. I mean, there were extended stretches against the likes of you know South Dakota State, Fresno State, where they struggled to establish push in the run game and where there was consistent pressure in the pass game. I mean, it's an offensive line that has played better as of late, and you hope that that upward trend improves, but... This is a different magnitude of test than Minnesota's offense, and in particular, the line have seen so far. What's the best defensive line that Minnesota has played? Is it Illinois? Probably. Probably. Well, I mean, Minnesota, I mean, Illinois' line isn't bad. Yeah. But I'm just saying, <clears throat> Illinois <laughs> versus Penn State on the defensive line? Yeah, because you look up and down the rest of Minnesota's schedule... Does Purdue's defense intimidate you? Does Nebraska's, Maryland's, Rutgers? I mean, after that, it's Illinois and it's that non-conference schedule. Like, there's nothing We're not saying that Minnesota has no chance here. What we're saying is that Minnesota hasn't played a game like this before. This is nothing like anything that they've dealt with before from the standpoint of their offensive line trying to make hay. Yeah, so when I say I expect Penn State to control the line of scrimmage, especially when Minnesota's on offense, again, like, that's not meant to be a slight, like, Any reasonable person should expect that. The frenzied Twitter activity from the Minnesota fan base has been equal combinations of nobody respects us, why does nobody respect us, and, well, we don't actually think we're any good. We're just having fun while the ride lasts, don't you know? And so you can't have it both ways. Do you want want to be belligerent about it? Do you want to be humble and try to brace yourself for the loss that you seem to know is coming? Either way is fine. Look, a loss here doesn't really matter to your ultimate goals because... Matters to my ultimate goals. Yes, we know. And we'll get into that. Just be patient. We'll get into that. (laughs) Do you want to go into it right now? for seven years, damn it. This is what you waited for for seven years? Or you're talking about... What are you talking about? I don't know. Just, 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 Just to not feel like we already know we suck and it's November... Uh, yeah, but that's whether Minnesota loses this game has nothing to do with Illinois being yeah. good or not good. Oh, but it does have something to do with Big Ten championship scenarios. Why don't you, why don't you we just were... do it? Why don't you just do it? We're not going to get anything else done until you do it. Why don't you just do it? You just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Go. Just All do right. it. You had to do the thing. Do the thing. Yep. So, Big Ten West scenarios. Because... Really, this game is a fulcrum between two dank timelines that are possible, but they're mutually exclusive. The dankest timeline in the West, well, the dankest that is even possible, is a six-way, five-and-four-time tie between everybody that's not Northwestern, which would 
depending on how the games fall, well, no, the games could only really fall one way, and it would be won by Nebraska. Um, but that involves Minnesota losing to Northwestern, so that's we're going to dismiss that one because of the negligible possibility of that happening. No, let's talk about the much more likely dank East Division timeline. Go ahead and tell them what has to happen there. So, if Penn State loses this one to Minnesota and Indiana beats Penn State, but then Penn State beats Ohio State, and Ohio State is just reeling from this loss so much that they somehow trip all over their dicks and lose to Michigan. Say it well, yeah. Then... And also, Michigan needs to finish seven two, seven and two. So you got a three way tie, seven and two. Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana, and Indiana wins the East. Yeah. However, Minnesota winning this discounts uh, completely makes it impossible, virtually impossible, for the uh, four way six and three tie that it would take to get Illinois to the title game. So Illinois versus Indiana cannot happen. However, Minnesota versus Indiana could. I was going to say you're shortchanging something here. Indiana wins out. Ohio State loses two games. Well, three games. Yeah, three games. And Ohio State loses out. Yes, but Ohio State... Who else does Ohio State play this year? (laughs) Plays... Ohio State is a 44-point favorite against Maryland. Maryland beat Rutgers by, like, five touchdowns. (laughs) Ohio State's next game is Rutgers. If Ohio State loses to Maryland and Rutgers these next two weeks... You can fire Ryan Day. I'm quitting my job. (laughs) The end times are upon us. That's what that would mean. That would would mean... uh, Who don't you fire if you're Ohio State? (laughs) You go around and you start firing engineering professors. You 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 start firing just... People working at the cafeterias in the dorms. You start, you start, you start firing everybody. You start expelling students. Yeah. Like, all of you, get out. <laughs> yeah, you just you just walk around swinging the band hammer all over campus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. All right. You get it out of your system? You feel better now? Yes, I do. All right. So you mentioned... A 44-point spread in a conference game, which isn't even going to be the biggest point spread we see this week, but let's talk about Maryland being the latest blood sacrifice for the blood god Ohio State. Yeah, all, I mean, you look at how they did against Penn State, Ohio State has been pretty comparable to Penn State, but flashier. Yeah. Uh, A little more dominant. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay. If you're looking for any cause for optimism here, Maryland actually did move the ball a little bit against Michigan. They just made big mistakes at the worst possible times. They had a couple bad turnovers. Um, I'm not saying they went up and down the field willy-nilly. Again, they scored seven points on a kickoff return. But they did have a little bit of success on the ground. They do have some playmakers who belong in this game. You think about McFarland and Leak. Um, That being said, I mean, like, the Buckeyes are on a roll. that's very difficult to overstate. So... I don't know if you noticed, I blacked this part out so you would be surprised if you didn't look it up. What would you think Ohio State's conference scoring margin is to this point? They've played how many games? Uh, Let me make sure I get that number exactly correct. They played played five games because it got... Yeah, they're 8-0 and that's 5-0 in the Big Ten. So that's Indiana, Nebraska, MSU, Northwestern, Wisconsin. What's their scoring margin in those five games? Let's say, well, let's see if it's an average of, I mean, Wisconsin felt like an average, so like 
All right, let's say three, ten. Let's go with uh, 152 to 40. Jesus Christ, 223 <laughs> to 37. So you only undersold them by 100 points of margin. <laughs> My God. So yeah, that's actually, that's an divide average. The, of... Divide that out by five. What's their average score in a conference game? Oh boy. That's like 44 to, that that's like 44 to nine. Yeah, you're, you're gonna. No, find it's it. it's yeah, about forty four and a half to a little more than seven. <laughs> oh, except, yeah, okay. And that's you know. I, oh, I was <laughs> I was dividing by four there. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about forty four to seven. And uh, <laughs> do you like what is the what is the mechanism for Maryland to score in this game? Is it just a kickoff return? Is that your offense now? Is hoping Javon Leak takes one to the house? After oh, your, after guess your, what? He's going to get a lot of opportunities. After your defense gives up a score, yeah. So, um, boy. Would this be the biggest upset in college football history? Probably. By spread? How in the world? I mean, there can't have been that many spreads of more than 40 points in a conference game, especially. I mean, I remember the, 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 the watermark. Is the Jim Harbaugh Stanford over USC? That was even, and that was only forty-one. Yeah, and that was, well, you know, I mean, thinking back, like, had Harbaugh Harbaugh Stanford at that point hadn't really proven much of anything. They were probably regarded of somewhat like first Maryland year head coach, is. Though, yeah, right? yeah, I think so. Probably regarded somewhat the way Maryland is now, first year head coach. Um, yeah, they put they put some guys in the pros, but mostly squandered their potential. Yeah, but this Ohio State versus... Versus 2007 Pete Carroll, USC. Late-stage Pete Carroll. Would it be fair to call that late-stage Pete Carroll? I mean, it was after Vince Young, or after uh, Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush. That's kind of what I consider to be the peak, and then after that, a little bit of a decline. And they're still good. Taylor Mays at safety. Was this Mark Sanchez or John David Booty? That was John David Booty. Trust me, I'm very familiar with that USC team. Boy, they they ate Juice Williams alive. That linebacking core had poor Shard Mendenhall. That was well. That was the linebacking core with Maualuga, Matthews, and Cushing, right? Yeah, Mendenhall put up one sixty on them. Unbelievable. Well, on like forty carries. <laughs> yeah, but also yeah, Taylor Mays at safety before Pete Carroll ruined him. Yeah. Anyway, all of that is to say. But they they didn't have anywhere near the offensive talent that this Ohio State team has. No, no, not at all. Not. At We're talking all. Pete Carroll, USC being outclassed on offensive talent. Look, if you're this if, is sick. Yeah, if this you're, is disgusting. If you're this Maryland, is if you're Maryland, don't don't worry about this. Do something else. Your team has basically hit sim on the rest of the season anyway. Okay, because let's I mean let's consider Maryland's situation. So at three and six, they need to win out if they want to make a bowl. That means beating Ohio State. That means, let me look at the rest of their schedule, calling it up. I know they still play Michigan State and Nebraska. Those are sets at OSU, home with Nebraska, at Nebraska Imagine State. beating Ohio State and then losing to Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> if they beat Ohio State, what would, this, what would this spread be against Nebraska at home? Would they be favored by like... Would they be favored by like 20 points just off of the bounce? 
I'm just imagining that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so if you want more X's and O's, I mean, what do you want us to tell you? Do you want us to tell you Chase Young and his cohorts are far better than Maryland's offensive line? Okay. Do you want us to tell you Jeff Okuda is going to shut down whatever receiver they decide to put him on? I can do that. Do you want us to tell you that J.K. Dobbins is going to run over Maryland's defensive backs and linebackers after he gets through the wide open holes the offensive line is going to open for him? We could do that. But you know all those things. You know what that, that Ohio State is vastly better than Maryland at every position on the field. This is not likely to be a game in far into the second quarter. The only reason that J.K. Dobbins would possibly not like go over 200 yards or touchdowns in this game is if they were worried about him cannibalizing Heisman votes from Justin Fields. <laughs> That's the only reason. I almost wonder at this point if Dobbins might be the more likely guy to get it. I mean, it. he should be because like Justin Fields hasn't been asked to do anything. No, and he well, and he's had a couple of kind of blob statistical games. So if there's going to be yeah, a Heisman, he was terrible runner, in that in that 38-7 blowout over Wisconsin. <laughs> Got sacked like three times. Can't have that. Uh, boy, yeah. There's nothing else to say about this game. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Purdue Northwestern. <laughs> oh, boy. Do we have to? Do we have to talk about this game? Here's the truth of it. Even with their third-string quarterback, Purdue's offense is by far the best of the four units in this game, You know, between both offenses and both defenses. And Purdue should absolutely win. We said that about a couple other games for Purdue this year, though, and that hasn't necessarily panned out. So I guess we'll see. I mean... If they lose a couple more guys to injury, <clears throat> their their depth really is at its last breaking point, I would imagine. Like, how much more can there be? Who do they put in if O'Connell goes down? Sipe, I think, is the next guy. Nick Nick Sipe is his name? He I thought he left the team. I think he's still there. I thought he was. The la- I checked earlier this year because I was curious. I was like, Plumber's hurt. Who do they even... The last I checked, I thought he was still with the team. But look, the good news is, if I'm wrong about that, all you Purdue assholes out there are sure to let me know about it. So, is he still with the team? Medically retired. Really? So who, yeah, I, I don't know who their backup is at this point then. Yeah, I, I, I just have no idea. I mean, they surely they have to have a backup. Well, yeah, it would be some other walk-on. <laughs> but, uh, are you the backup? If so, please hit us up at Off Tackle Empire on Twitter. So it's going to be, but it's also Northwestern's third string quarterback. It is Aiden versus Aiden. It's all on Aiden the line. Aiden on Aiden Who Aiden's harder? Purdue clings to a shred of life for bowl eligibility. And Northwestern does not. You know, man, if there's any coach that can, in, in the Big Ten, that you, that you could see leading the, the, the shambling husk of this Purdue team to winning out, Jeff Brom's a guy, man. Yeah, I suppose. Does he have a pulse? Yeah. Let's play football. Yeah. Purdue um, should win this one. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Purdue's also not good enough that Northwestern can't stupid them to death. Well, what a, well so that's I think we're conceiving of Northwestern as the way we have previously known them. And this team is not what we have seen from Northwestern in recent years in, in hardly any ways. So let's look back as much as I hesitate to at Northwestern's recent results and see what about what they've done in the last calendar month. We'll limit it to that. Tells us that we think some kind of breakthrough is on the way. 
Last week at Indiana, loss 34-3. Is that a sign that they're on the verge of a breakthrough? Absolutely not. Let's wind the clock back a little further. They hosted Iowa, lost 20 to nothing in a game that was only that close because Kirk Ferentz willed it to be so. We wanted to beat traffic. Any signals that they were on the verge of a breakthrough there? No. Nope. Previous week, Ohio State, 52 to 3 loss. That's understandable. Ohio State's a death machine, as we've talked about at length. But still, did they show? I mean, that's that's a sad field goal. Any signs there? Nope. We gotta go back to at Nebraska. 13-10 against another very underwhelming team. That was the most encouraging result they've had. Well, the week before that, they lost 24-15 at Wisconsin, which that was before Wisconsin got turned inside out by the Buckeyes. So you could say that. <laughs> you, could, you could talk me into a nine-point loss to Wisconsin as being their best result this year. Oh, for sure. Well, talk me into There's no question. I mean, they opened the, whole, they opened the season with a 10-point loss to Stanford, that's aged well. <laughs> so, and they, you know, this is a team that lost by three scores to Michigan State. They, they've not had any good results this year. They kept it close against Wisconsin. They kept it close against Nebraska. And they beat a trash UNLV team. Other than that, they've had six, well, five bad games. You know what? If, if they're going to win one more game this year, it's not going to be Purdue. They play UMass. Yeah, probably that one. <laughs> but UMass next week. They're going to win that one. And yeah, I know what you're getting at. And the only way they win that game is if Illinois is still stuck on five wins at that point, which they won't be because, boom, segue, Michigan State, Illinois. You're going. I'm ambivalent. Well, one thing I was, I'm not going to agree with you that, that Illinois should win this game, but it started a 13.5-point spread. I've now seen it up to 15 despite... News throughout the week suggesting that Michigan State is going to be missing even more players. Yeah, Daryl Stewart and Matt Allen somehow both injured over the bye week, in addition to Joe Bocci being ruled ineligible for getting popped for PEDs. That's how MSU does the bye, everybody. Has anybody, like, okay, nobody in at least 15 years has ever, has, has unknowingly taken performance-enhancing drugs. So let's, let's be clear about no, it's one of two things. Either he knows what he's doing and he thought he could get away with it, or the MSU training staff is completely incompetent and should be fired. Now, given MSU's institutional performance recently, would that surprise me? No. But obviously, the more likely result is he's taken whatever he's taken for a competitive advantage. So he belongs on the sideline. It's unfortunate to see because he's a great player, and MSU's defense is probably going to be a lot worse off without him. If there's a spot where MSU can afford a loss like that, though, it probably is linebacker where they always have pretty good reserves. So it's unfortunate that I've seen him play his last game in green and white, but there's nothing left for him to play for this year anyway. I mean, what's he going to do? Do I care if he beats Michigan next week? Is that really going to save this season? No. No, it isn't. There's no outcome. They could win out, and it wouldn't save this season. Well, Illinois comes in on a three-game losing streak. Michigan State, what did they do before Penn State? You said Illinois is on a three-game losing streak? Winning streak, yeah. Winning, right. Well, before Penn State, they had the losses to Wisconsin and Ohio State. Okay, so Wrapped around Michigan two State, buys, so they haven't won a game in like a month and a half. Yeah, so Michigan State comes in on four. They lost by three scores to Penn State. They lost by three scores to buy. And then they come in. I mean, they lost by three scores to buy. <laughs> Generously, yeah. Definitely say. Um and the, the thing I've been telling people that have asked me about this game is that, you know, if you're Michigan State, you should be worried 
about the Wisconsin-Illinois game because Wisconsin lost by being very stubborn and assuming their offensive game plan was going to work, even with no evidence that it was doing so. Why would we be worried about that with the coaching staff that we have currently? Are you implying that MSU's coaching staff has problems with inflexibility? Well, one thing that I do know for sure is that some really stupid things are going to happen in this game because you have, of course, an Illinois team that, man, you almost can't even, even though the statistics, you know, will show that there's a certain degree of luck to fumble recoveries, boy, this, they seem to happen at such opportune times. Uh, so you have that whole peanut Tillman punch thing going on. Uh, then you have a Michigan State defensive line that is easily the best that Illinois has played against a quarterback in Brandon Peters that has a tendency to um, to misidentify coverage into sacks. And Look, as good as they're <laughs> thought of as being, though, it's not like this is a group that pass rushes much. I mean, Kenny Wilkes has been terribly underwhelming. They barely blitz. They're very predictable in their defensive alignments as well. So as long as you're not bashing your head against them trying to run the ball inside... You wouldn't be stubborn like that, would you? Uh, <laughs> as long as you're not doing exactly that, this defense can be had. I mean, they're not they're not what I... Th- I mean, again, remember, at the beginning of the season, I wondered out loud after a week or two if one or two more players stepped forward in a big way, could this defense be as good as 2013? I can't believe those words ever left my mouth, given what I've seen since then. Not that I can blame them, because, again, this offense and this coaching staff have left them no rope to work with. If they're not perfect, the team loses. And that wears on you after a while. I mean, these are yeah. still college kids. So, um, no, the la- I mean, the only other thing that I would say here, I, I do still think talent-wise MSU is better, but that doesn't mean that they're a the better team. How about uh, this? <laughs> Hayes, Hartbarger, who you got? Because we're going to see a lot of them. And it's going to be cold, so the ball is going to, I mean, it's going to be a hard ball to kick. <sighs> Hayes is probably objectively the better punter, but Hartbarger goes very underappreciated. I think they're both NFL punters. Yeah. Not that I mean, I not that I, not that there's any way to predict who's going to be an NFL punter. Yeah, no, they they're, 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 they all come out of like Division Two. Outside schools. of the fact that if they went to Utah, there's a good chance that y- you just have no idea. It's more of a crapshoot than like long snappers. So, so there's going to be there's going to be a lot of <laughs> kicking in this game. Um, they're I don't know. The 13 and a half point spread that we saw, and you said you saw it up to 15. That's idiocy. Bet the goddamn house on Illinois covering that spread. Yeah, and and I say that someone trying to prepare for, for the worst here, if Illinois loses this game, it's going to be like 16 to 6. Yeah. Okay. So that's what's going to happen. This is going to be dumb, but I'm going to be there for it. And uh, I don't know. I'm... I'm I'm gonna I'm doing everything I can to recover my voice, so I got it. I'm trying to be near the Illinois fans so that I don't get in too many fights. Um, if Michigan State fans honestly even care to fight me, anymore. nobody's gonna fight you. <laughs> Just stay away from the student section, and nobody's gonna fight you. Um, yeah, it, look, like I told you, I'll take another look on Thursday at the forecast. If it looks dry, I will consider it. But Mark I really Antonio don't. Antonio is again. 0-3 against coaches that lost to the 2006 Colts in the playoffs. God, you need a hobby other than this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
let's wrap this up. Iowa, Wisconsin, um, a game that in most years has a lot of meaning. And this year, all it is, all it is, is for the money in the bank rights to challenge Minnesota. <laughs> exactly. Basically, the loser of this game drops to three Big Ten losses, which will only do them any good in a three, three or four way tie. Okay, the winner of this game sticks with two, has a chance to, if Minnesota loses this week, or Minnesota loses to both of these teams, basically, you can you can basically stick a fork in the loser of this game. Yeah, for the West Division, at least. Um, the, the loser can still enjoy themselves some good old uh, uh, coconut shrimp, courtesy of the Outback Bowl, but you're not going to be going to Indianapolis. You're, I mean, forget about any New Year's Six ambitions you might have had. Which, you know, with two losses for these teams, probably a long shot anyway, unless you win the Big Ten Championship, which means you got to beat Ohio State, which isn't going to happen. So, uh, boy, I, what do you see in this game? Because these are these are teams that have some similarities in a lot of ways, although the big difference is Wisconsin has a run game. Iowa really doesn't. Yeah, well, Wisconsin, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean... It's hard to know what to make of either of Wisconsin's last two games because one of them was the biggest dick trip in the Big Ten by a wide margin, and the other one was just they got slashed apart by a far superior team. So neither of those games really apply to this one when you look at at them. Yeah, it's fair to say this is probably going to be a pretty close game. It usually is. Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man.jpg is what I'm seeing here. Right. I do think Wisconsin is the better team. Uh, this game is also at Camp Randall, and that matters in this matchup. Um, hmm. I mean, really, like, about all that Iowa has going forward is I do think, in spite of Jonathan Taylor, Iowa's got a better group of playmakers, which is difficult to say. I mean, what I mean by that is their wide receivers I would take over Wisconsin's, Smith and Smith-Marset. Even Oliver and Regani mixed in there versus Cephas and others. Um, I think that matchup leans in favor of Iowa. I, I guess, gun to my head, I still take Nate Stanley in the quarterback matchup. But boy, you want to talk about quarterbacks that like, this is the ultimate matchup of quarterbacks whose fans will be happy to see the next guy. At this point, that's what it feels like to me. I don't know. Maybe I've completely misread the situation and Iowa fans are ready to build a statue of Nate Stanley and Wisconsin fans still believe Jack Cohn is going to be the next great thing, even though he's already at the end of his junior year. Remember that Super Bowl where Trent Dilfer beat Kerry Collins? This feels like that. Remember is a stretch, but I'm aware that that happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what else to say about this game. I mean, 14-10 or 24-21? I'm feeling 20 to 17, something like that. Something along those lines. You're, under, you're underselling the field goals with either of those estimates. I'll put it that is way. true. <laughs> it's probably going to be something more like 19-16. But... All right. Um, again, it, that's that's just an impression. I I can't call this my stone-cold lead pipe lock of the week or anything like that. But I think Wisconsin's a better team. I think they win. And I think the Axe game is for the... is a precursor it's, a, it's basically a conference championship semifinal i think that's how this plays out well prior to this wisconsin had seemingly never lost the x before and but they haven't played for it yet it makes you wonder if they're good that's the impression that i get 
So, meanwhile, LSU at Bama, except maybe with passing? Definitely with passing, uh, because both neither of these defenses are what they historically have been. In fact, news just came down today that LSU's Michael Divinity is just leaving the team. Um, starting linebacker, the, LSU doesn't have a pass rush this year. He was their leading sack guy, and he had three. Michael Divinity does not want Bama. Apparently not. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. But... Oh, of course. Yeah, there's some story that hasn't broken yet. But, no, this... Um, <laughs> Think about where, what this game was when they had that awful national title rematch. What was that? Two, what year was that? 2011. Yeah. That was let's have a real good time. And the now, college football season. And now think about what this matchup is. Absolute fucking fire. Both teams, multiple NFL receivers, NFL caliber quarterbacks, NFL running backs. Just... just Defenses that have been unremarkable. I mean, Bama's defense you could say is still quite good statistically, but Alabama ain't played nobody this year. And I know that's a trope, but to this point, it's totally true. Their best game so far, Texas A&M, which is just kind of there. They've got talent, but they're just kind of there. LSU hasn't played Auburn. They haven't had... LSU did play Auburn. No, I, meant, I meant Alabama hasn't yeah. played Auburn. Um, and the rest of the SEC West has been down this year. Mississippi State, bad. Ole Miss, bad. Arkansas, bad. Turbo bad. Yeah, probably firing Chad Morris after this year, bad. Because, uh, man, not only is it bad, Tennessee, but there are no signs of bad. They've turned around a little bit. Um, they're not good, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so, I mean, they're certainly not what you think of when you think of SEC power. There's three really good teams. There's one team that's there, and then there's three really bad teams. Yeah. And Bama hasn't played any of the really good teams yet. So it's fair to say that statistically Bama has been great so far, but... Um, LSU beat Florida and Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. LSU has by far the best resume in the country, which is why they've been one, num- number one in the poll. Should be number one when the first playoff ranking comes out, like right now, actually. I bet I could probably refresh this and we would know. So why don't we take a look at that? You are looking live at... The college football playoff, did it come out yet? Doesn't look, I don't think it did because I feel like ESPN would have put that right at the top. All right, then let's continue to kill time. So I got a question. To attack of Iloa, Mac Jones, what's the drop off? Do you know, do you know or care? It gotta be substantial. I mean, it, like I said, it hasn't mattered so far. I wanna say I disagree. Not that I'm saying Tua attack of Iloa is not that good, but like, you have a guy that presumably is not like, you know, a, a, a yeah, conference Bama. USA walk-on. Yeah, Bama's backup. Throwing to Bama's receivers. Bama's backup is not some three-star. And they do still have Steve Sarkeesian, who was an NFL head coach. Or was he only a coordinator? Maybe he was I'm a coordinator, but he was also the he head, was coach, head coach, at coach at Washington and USC. USC. Yeah, so that's your offensive coordinator, you know. Right. As you said, it's not like all the rest of the talent around him instantly turned into, instantly turned into ashes. So... So, otherwise, there's not really a whole lot going on this week outside of Tuesday night action, small-clothed kickoff. Kent State flashes over the glass bowl, try and grind out a win against Toledo. Can they pick out the seeds and stems, or will they get smoked? 
Ball State better know the answer to the question, where's Waldo Stadium? It's in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where the Cardinals will play the Browncos in the second game of our Tuesday night match and doubleheader here on Small Clothes Tuesday. It's happening right now as we speak. I was going to say, as we, as we live and breathe, <laughs> games are underway, or at least the first one is. Um, no, they're both there. They're not posting. 28 to 20 Toledo, third quarter. 21 to 10. Western Michigan over Balls Tate. What I've never bothered to look at is so there's there's the two Mac games tonight. There's another one tomorrow. What do they do for bio? Like, how do they renormalize their schedules? Well, do Western they just, didn't they just play take this the game, past week. They just take the games off before and after them? Because yeah. they, they're not going to play again this Saturday. That's four days no. rest for college kids. That's not, they have to bracket these games with a bye on each side. Well, this is their game for week 11. So I think all these teams had week 10 byes. Okay, and so, all right, so they won't play Saturday and then they, all right. Okay, so of course that. So works. it's like you basically get a get two half buys. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I wonder how much this is worth. I mean, I, what I wonder, and I'm sure I could find out, is what is ESPN paying them for these goofy-ass things? <laughs> I mean, look, I get that they're fun for us. It's great. But the other thing is, with them being this late in the season, like it's basketball time now, and so I ain't watching this. In fact, we got to wrap it up here because I got a basketball game to go watch. <laughs> Uh, it's number one, number two, ain't it? It is. Yeah. Basketballs. Oh, Kipper Nichols is defeating the Nichols State Colonels, thirty-eight to twenty-three. That's always good. What's the personal score though? Personal score. Oh, personal score. Okay. Oh, Nichols is losing to Nichols. Okay, basically they have a disagreement on how many L's are in Nichols. Kipper believes that there is only one. Nichols State believes that there are two. And they have 23 points in their favor while he has none in his. So you're saying in spite of the fact that he's arguing for only one L, Kipper is taking the extra L in that matchup. Yes, indeed I am. You hate to see it. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's off tackle, Empire! Boom. I don't see any dimension, USC, Arizona State. Yeah. John Lessing. Two carries, 106 yards, a touchdown. I what not... the fuck? <laughs> He's not getting away from the cop speed. <laughs> That's nuts. Oh, <laughs> uh, fucking shit. Volante Bellamy has one touchdown. Because John Lossing won't stop running for huge gains. <laughs> Only run it twice. I mean. so he's got a 46-yard touchdown and a 60-yard not touchdown, but then. So he managed to run for 60 yards and then get caught. <laughs> Brandon Peters. 